Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. What up, everyone? Welcome to the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano joining you on this Thursday afternoon after the Nationals take the home series against the Mets. A big series win. They come in on Thursday afternoon and a matinee win 7-6 to six over the New York Mets to take 2-3. Um, Paul, that is their first series win in about a month since Mid-April, April 17th and 18th, when they won the last two out of three against the Giants. Is it only a month? It's been a month. I feel like it could be have been uh, two, three months. It's, been, it's been a long time since they, one, won a series, and two, won back-to-back games. Uh, can you believe it's been that long since they even won back-to-back games? It, I can. I, it feels like longer. Like it, yeah. it feels like this has gone on even longer than it has. And today's game was a gutsy win because Annabelle Sanchez, the starting pitcher, Leaves the game early after only one and a third with a, a hamstring injury, and at the moment of this recording podcast, obviously the game is over. We know we do know now that Sanchez is headed to the DL. So yet the Nationals suffer another the IL. Excuse me, you're right. Uh, uh, suffer another injury, and this one to the starting rotation, which is something that we've pointed out on this podcast that has been for all its ups and downs. You know, Max Scherzer only having. So many wins. Um, Patrick Corbin cruising. Steven Strasburg doing well, but Helixson and Sanchez struggling. They have at least gone out every five days and staying, for the most part, healthy up until this point. And yeah. now Sanchez to the IO with a hamstring injury, which Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com points out he has been dealing with at least for the past two years. He has. Um, and it is, look, injuries are never good in any aspect. They're not good personally, and they're not good for a team. That being said, Anibal Sanchez was not pitching well. No. We're going to go into exactly how poorly he's been pitching. Both him and he and Hellickson have been struggling as of late. And now you look at his potential replacements, and I I think as things go in terms of, the, you know, the Nats have their issues right now, I think they'll be okay in losing Sanchez. We don't know exactly how long, at least 10 days, um, but I think – I, I'm I'm confident in the guys that they have uh, to replace him uh, almost more than I am in a healthy Anibal Sanchez. And that would be, in your mind, Eric, Eric Fetty. Fetty? Yeah, Eric Fetty. So. Uh, didn't pitch great today. Gave up four runs in two and two-thirds. Emergency substitution, but... Yeah. But his ERA is still 3.38. Granted, not many opportunities, but... Uh, Whole lot better than Anibal Sanchez's five uh, ten ERA. Oh yeah, and he he just has. I, I, I'm still he he gave, showed flashes last year. I'm still willing to give him a chance to kind of earn that. And going into this game, I was kind of looking at it like if if Anibal Sanchez comes out and he throws another clunker like he's been doing a lot as of late. At what point would they have to make a decision, especially if Eric Fetty kept pitching well? that they would have to look at that and say, we might have to make a change in our starting rotation. So that you're coming into this day as kind of like a, this is a judgment day for Annabelle well, Sanchez. Well, I, th- I think at this point, if, if they were so in the division start. lead, yeah. if, if, you know, last year, look, last year 
they went several months. It, it took quite a while for them to realize they were out of the race, um, and they ended up getting hurt by it. Um, but they continued to in a in a month of June in the month of July and June. Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark were downright terrible. They right. were just having awful, awful months. And they continued to throw these guys out there, and they got buried in the standings in the NL East. I think at this point, they have to start thinking about how can we right this ship immediately. Right. The, the, they, don't, they can't give too many guys a whole lot of rope. Yeah. For, we've seen, we saw today, Brian Dozier didn't start. They had Howie Kendrick out there obviously Dozier was signed to be the starter and we knew Howie Kendrick was going to be the backup coming into this game, but it, he has not earned it. So he didn't start. Like it, it's just a matter of they, they don't have much time, right? It's more of the circumstances dictate that this is what yeah. you have to do as opposed to you look back at the years and it, it sucks that we keep having to come back to this because it's on, you know, it's two totally different time periods, two relatively different rosters, but you know, I think for as long as Davey Martinez is here, and we're not going to talk about that at all on this podcast today, but for as long as he's here and he's with the Nationals, he's always going to be compared to Dusty Baker and, and how Dusty Baker's teams fared. Right. And we know it's been well documented. Dusty Baker's team spent in two, two seasons spent one day at 500. And every other day they're above 500 and or in first place of the division. And you look back at like the 2017 season where Steven Strasburg was hurt for most of the season to start off, but then came back and had a historic second half and obviously the great start in the playoffs against the Cubs in game four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they had their own share of injuries that they battled through, battled right. through. They were able to get by. You're saying right now with the way the team is standing closer to last place than first place in the division almost closer to last place than even third place in the division, closer to the Marlins in the standing, you know, not having that luxury of, well, we're playing well enough where we can figure things out. No, we have to make tough decisions now because we're not playing well enough to have this luxury of just being like kind of laissez-faire about it. Exactly. And, and and, you know, it'll work itself out. We'll find a way. Now it's like we need to find a way now because – we're running out of time, like well, you said. And I think that's the message that the front office was trying to send when they fired the pitching coach. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, like you said, with Davey Martinez, that's a whole separate issue. But I think the idea is everybody's job could be on the line because of the expectations that were placed on this team and because of, like, if Brian Dozier continues to hit below the Mendoza line, if he continues to struggle and he, he has had... Um, you know, he's, he's showing some flashes. He still has a few homers, but if he continues to struggle and Howie Kendrick continues to play well, I have no doubt that they're going to make a permanent change there or at least semi-permanent. Like it, it, you have to be, if you're six games out of first place, you were expected coming into the season to at least be a playoff team In, in at least internal expectations were for that. You have one of the highest payrolls in all of baseball. You just went out and signed a pitcher for, um, uh, $160 million or $140 million in Patrick Corbin, you are expected to compete right now. And if if you're not doing it, I think that your job can and should be on the line. And so I don't know if this start, and it's, you know, now the injury is really going to confuse things. But with Anibal Sanchez, I don't know if internally they were looking at this or Davey Martinez and his coaching staff were looking at this. But from the outside, I'm looking at, I was looking at this start for Anibal Sanchez as, if he doesn't get it back on track in this start, in the next start, 
whenever it's going to be, they're going to have to at least look at making a, uh, a change there. Yeah, but also, all right, just to play devil's advocate and counterpoint to you, you know, with injuries come opportunities. You know, this is an opportunity now for in, – and coming into right. this spring training before Hellickson signed late and even before uh, the Nationals scooped up Sanchez – you know, everyone was talking, the talk was going to, we were talking about it. Like Fetty and Ross are going to have to battle out in spring training for the fifth spot. And now obviously that didn't show out to be the case, but now you have Fetty who came in today. He gave up his first runs today and he came in with out giving up a run in his first four appearances, all relief. Yes. And all not, not very long. Um, his first one yeah, was four innings. innings. Yeah. yeah. But his first one took up half of that. Right. Right. But yeah, all in relief, not the pressure coming in as a starter, but still, he, he was pitching really well, and that was a bright spot that a lot of people were pointing to. Like, hey, at least Eric Fetty's pitching really well coming out of the bullpen. Now, yes, like you said, injuries are never a good thing, whether personally or for the entire team, organization, what have you. But this presents an opportunity if the Nationals decide, which I think you and I both expect them to, to go the route of inserting Fetty into the rotation. This now presents him another opportunity to solidify himself as the Nationals' top I don't think he. Cons- I don't think it's considered a prospect anymore. But top Young next guy, guy in line yeah. to 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 insert himself in the starting rotation. Here's your opportunity to take advantage of it because we need you. Yeah. And not, and because you know, and 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 we're gonna get into um, how Sanchez and Alex Hellickson unfortunately have been kind of holding the starting rotation back because Scherzer obviously has been has been great. He's run into some bad luck, but he he's been for the most part his usual self Strasburg has been knock on wood, healthy and solid, his usual self to start. And Patrick Corbin has been a godsend to this team. Where would this team be without him? And yeah. in, in his first nine outings, um, he was fantastic Wednesday night against, against the Mets. Um, but we'll, we'll get into how, how the, how Hellickson and Sanchez have, have kind of held back this rotation in, in the first quarter of the season. We're, we're a quarter of the way. Yeah. In, so a quarter of the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, go back to Fetty. Is an opportunity for him, and 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 I agree with you in the sense that, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about. I, I I'll be honest, it didn't cross my mind until you just brought it up. But yeah, this was kind of again quarter of the way into the season. This is was, Anibal Sanchez's ninth start. That's about a quarter of what you hopefully get out of him. Right. You kind of know what you're going to get out of, out of that many starts, and, and it's unfortunate that he went down hurt. But again, I don't know if he was on pace. I mean, it's, it's tough to judge with one and the third, but. If he was on pace to like really turn it around today against the Mets, you know, he got lucky with the with the national scoring four in the first inning, but you know, I, I don't know if that was enough to keep keep the Mets at bay and and have a really turning point for Sanchez this season. Well, I just don't I think when you're six games back of five hundred, you're what? They're still six games. How about below they have the fifth worst record in baseball still? Like yeah. not even like exactly. within the division. In all of baseball, they are the fifth worst team. I think then you throw everything out With the window. With the money and the payroll and the roster this team has, should never be the case. Exactly. And so the, the stakes are high, and they should be. And especially, if, you know, if it were a young guy, if this situation were reversed almost, if you had a, a Joe Ross or an Eric Fetty or somebody, like, if you had a young guy in place that you knew was going to be a part of your rotation for years to come, I would say keep him in there, let him figure this out. Anibal Sanchez is 35 years old. Right. He is signed through this year, and then they have a team option for 2020. 
He's got to figure this out right now. He is not expected to have, oh, there's supposed to be, you know, there's, there's no grace period for him. He's got to come in right away. And the fact that it is May 16th and he still doesn't have a win and wins and losses obviously are their own stat, but still has an ERA over five. And Jeremy Hellickson, a veteran guy, 32 years old, has an ERA of exactly six at this point. Yeah. Both of these guys, there's, there's no grace period. There's you Yeah, no. They're they're proven. You you have to come in and compete. And given the fact that they are on these short-term contracts, you know, they that kind of allows you to mess with it and say, "All right, well, you know, you aren't performing, so we're going to replace you." And it, it you know, you don't have to worry about the long-term ramifications of how are we going to, you know, worry about this guy's contract long-term. Like if Patrick Corbin were really struggling, you know, something like that. Right. That that complicates things. Yeah. The, the fact that these are short-term contracts, these are veteran guys, and they're not performing, you just you have to make up your mind quickly on this stuff. Uh, they don't have any time to waste in terms of the, the division. How much, like, if, you, if you're Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez or whoever's in charge, you know, pick your, pick your head, head guy, how much of a leash are you giving these guys in the sense that, yes, they are veterans, they are, they are proven veterans, but... You know, do we know who they are, or do they get the benefit of the doubt because, you know, this is who this is who we this guy is. You know, we know this, so we're not going to give you a long leash. Whereas, like with a prospect, you're like, well, we don't really quite know who he is yet, so we're right. going to kind of exactly. get time to figure it out. Or do you say, well, he's a veteran; he's earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt, and and that he'll figure it out. Right. That's that's a tricky question. That is a tricky question. But I mean, for me, but we, and I think I think the underlying answer to that be was like, well, we don't really have time to let them figure it out. Like we need something. Like we said earlier, right. we need something to happen now because exactly. Yes, maybe they have earned the benefit of the doubt and and the right to to try to work it out on their own. But we as a team, we the Washington Nationals, don't have the time for to just let you lollygag and figure it out over the course of a season. Because, like you said, we're six games under above five hundred. We're in fourth place when we should be at least yep. in the top two. We should be competing for a pennant, um, and, and we're not right now. And we need to be, especially as we head into the end of May yeah. and Memorial Day weekend. Well, and the same went for Trevor Rosenthal, who went to the IL with a viral infection. Right, and, and this is not that case, though, but I was going to bring no, that up, too. it's not severe. Sanchez, no. well, he's actually he's actually hurt, you know, quote-unquote. I'm not calling out the Nationals or anything, but, like, it kind of did seem like a, all right, go get, go get, re, go reset, you yeah. know. Oh, he, yeah. He went, yeah. he basically went to extended spring training, yeah. you know, you know, and, uh, but, Seems like San- this, this is something he couldn't help. You know, it's not like oh, this injury, absolutely right. It's, yeah. It actually happened. He's but, actually hurt and affected by it. But the same, you know, if if they they uh, what I'm saying is they should hold these guys to kind of a sh- keep a short leash on everybody. I think that they just are not in a position where they can worry about um, you know hurting a guy's feelings. They, right. Ev- right. Everybody and, and, and they don't owe. I mean, no offense to Sanchez and Huxon, but they don't really owe them anything like they owe. Scherzer and Strasburg, guys who have been here for yeah, a long and, 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 have, and yeah. right, who have proven and have, you know, laid their footprint upon this franchise. Yeah. No, exactly. These are guys that Hellickson's in his second year with the team. Sanchez is first. Um, they're they're veteran journeyman type players. Um, they're almost placeholders for this season and next season in terms in, in Sanchez's case, right. or where while they're, you know, yeah. well, it almost seems like they they the, they the Nationals. Assume that all right, these guys are proven. They can kind of hold the back end of the rotation while we wait and see what we 
and make a definite decision on Joe Ross, him getting healthy, and Eric Fetty, their futures with us, you know? Exactly. And it, the same goes in on the other side for Brian Dozier, who's still hitting, what, 180? Right. 188, 190? Yeah. Um, so, and, and does have five homers, but still only has seven RBIs. He's got five homers and seven RBIs. Yeah, out, um, of, out of the qualified, quote-unquote, regular starters, Brian Dozier by far has the worst batting average. I mean, he's 187. I, I mean, no one's – I mean, guys are hitting low, but no one's even that close to 200. Yeah, exactly. So – and we talked about the signing coming into this year as a one-year deal being almost like a placeholder for Carter Keeboom. Right. So um, they just have to have short leashes for this guy. So, so when it comes to Sanchez, the injury is going to – almost do the work for them in terms of replacing him in the rotation. But that being said, Eric Fetty last year showed flashes, but wasn't great. So he now has to show that he deserves a spot in the rotation. And if he comes out and pitches well, like he did the first few outings of the 2019 season and Sanchez comes back is Sanchez's role in the rotation going to be gone. Yeah. Um, that, that is now something where he's probably going to have to prove himself if uh, Fetty pitches well in his place. And then if that's the case also, I mean, then what do you do with Sanchez and what's the point? You, you put know? him in the bullpen because you've had so few reliable bullpen arms. Yeah. And you try him out as a long reliever. I, I think at that point, you just want the best possible guys out there starting. I don't think you can worry about. Yeah. And if he, if he doesn't pitch well in the bullpen, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So, you know, that's but that's a ways away. Right. And we've also talked about how uh, – Sanchez and Hux and our guys that are like great or at least very serviceable the first one maybe two times through the order it's the third time that gets them in trouble so that yeah. kind of fits into the idea of throwing them in the bullpen and make, making them long middle relief guys right, exactly and, and, and out of necessity out of necessity um all right Paul I just wanted to this is just <laughs> you know the the Nationals obviously starting a homestand they are back from their west coast trip their long road trip they finished in Los Angeles, uh, they split a four-game series with the Dodgers, which was turned out to be a great series. I mean, that was those are some exciting games. Obviously, Gerardo Parra coming up, uh, making his debut, and then also hitting a grand slam um, yep. to win the game for them on, I believe, a Saturday night. Uh, but, you know, with those late nights, kind of get your mind kind of wanders here in the Mass and Web studio, and you yep. just kind of think about stuff and... I believe one of the nights I was uh, I, I was working the game. We think about some weird stuff. We do, we do, and um, you know, I think Gio Gonzalez had just made another solid outing with the Brewers, and it got me thinking: where would this starting rotation? While we're on the topic of the starting rotation, where would this rotation be had they still have Tanner Roark and Gio Gonzalez mm -hmm. in place of Jeremy Hellickson and Anibal Sanchez? Now, as of today. And this is includes Sanchez's one in a third inning today, which he did not give up a run, so that's good. So their ERA, the starting rotation that is, went down by .02. So mm -hmm. now it's now 4.01, which is 12th in all of baseball, okay? So let's split this up, though. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, the top three guys, they have a collective ERA of 3.39. Very solid for a, for a trio of, of starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. Sanchez and Hellickson, though, together for just the two of them, 5.42. Now that's almost, that is over two extra runs. Um, and that's, that's not including Hellickson's two innings um, of relief in his, in his first outing of the season. Um, so that's over collectively 76 innings. These are, they've both made nine starts. Um, um, 
uh, like the other three guys. Now, go to Gio and Tanner. Their ERA, Gio Gonzalez is pitching phenomenally to start off the season with the Brewers. Their ERA, Tanner and Gio's, collectively over 67 innings is 2.93, so under three earned runs. Um, but, again, Gio has had a slow late start, not slow start, a late start to the season, so he's only made four, I believe, four starts. Um, so let's take those, let's take Gio's numbers and average them over five more starts, so a total of nine to match up with everybody else. His ERA is still around 1.69 ERA, so he's averaging about five and a third's inning and giving up only one run per outing, which mm-hmm. is incredible. So adding that to Tanner's 2.58 ERA over 94 innings, Adding Gio and Tanner Roark to the Nats rotation of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, the Nats starting rotation ERA will be 3.11, which would be the second best in baseball. Now, I don't mean to second question, second guess Mike Rizzo and his staff, and obviously monies and other factors played into this, but, I mean, where were the Nationals? And I didn't even calculate, like, their wars or anything and how many more wins the Nationals would have, but, like, it's just kind of hard. I, I I was sitting here thinking, it's just kind of hard to think, like, what if? You know, what would this team be? And, again, this team has a lot of issues outside of the rotation in terms of injuries to the lineup, the bullpen being a disaster for the first month of the season. But you just wonder if the rotation had been solid through and through every five days, maybe it takes a little more pressure off the bullpen, yeah. off the lineup, and could this team be – I'm not saying they'd be in first place, but could they be way more – Closer to five hundred at least, yeah. or 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 not even the the basement of the entire league. Uh, it was just kind of a funny, yeah. interesting thing to see. And this is all assuming also that my math is correct. Um, I think I did no, that. you're a pretty good statistician. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. So I mean, I was just wondering, like, yeah, it's just it was just tough to not kind of what, and, and that kind of goes along with with uh, when seasons go bad and 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 times are tough. You just kind of wonder, like, what if this happened? What if that happened? Well, I think coming into this year I think with the frustration of last year two guys that took the brunt took a lot of the frustration were Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark right two guys that have been in DC for a long time and uh, two guys that especially one of them Gio had had a lot of postseason struggles they I think fans were just kind of frustrated fans were a little bit annoyed and impatient at that point with both those guys yeah um and i don't think that you know whether it was fair or not i think fans were ready for a change so the nets and and, you know mike rizzo didn't do it because the fans wanted it but i think people were okay with both those guys leaving but it's another lesson in the adage that is you know change isn't always a good thing just because they're new guys doesn't mean that they're better so you look at the two guys that you know, they shipped out, and you look at it, it. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, at, at what point is, you know, I think when you look at a starting pitcher or you look at any player, you don't just look at how they did the previous year. You look at the body of work. You look at the how they did the last two years, last three years, last five years, and then their whole career at that point. The Nationals got two guys that had good years last year. Jeremy Hellickson with the Nats, had, uh, you know, was very solid, was one of the mo- more reliable pitchers, g- 
given it was only through a couple times through the order, but was very reliable for the Nats last year. Anibal Sanchez with the Braves was very reliable, had an ERA of like 2.83. But then you look at their whole body of work, and both these guys have career ERAs over five. Yeah. Both these guys had disastrous seasons within the past five years, yeah. several of them. Anibal Sanchez with the Braves, or before he signed with the Braves, when he was with the Tigers, struggled mightily with yeah. the Tigers. He had a 6.41 ERA just two years ago, a 5.87 ERA three years ago. Mm-hmm. So last year was the anomaly. Jeremy Hellickson struggled mightily when he was with the Orioles a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago in the and second half that. of the season. Yeah. And even with the Phillies in the first half of that season, and that the season he had a 5.43 ERA, couple years before that, 4.62. Then you look at the two guys that they had in-house. They both had down career years last year, so they were both at kind of the nadir of their value right. and the nadir of where they were seen in baseball. And that played out in the fact that Gio Gonzalez didn't get a contract until right before the season or a week into the season. I can't remember exactly when he got his deal. But basically, he was not a sought-after free agent um, because of the down year he had last year. But then you look at the body of work for him, he still has a career ERA around 3.4. He still has a ton of postseason experience, and he still has the ability to be a top end of the rotation pitcher. Yeah. Tanner Roark has, you know, we've kind of given him flack the past few years for his kind of up and down nature, but overall body of work, 3.59 ERA for a career. Those two career ERAs are far better than the ERAs of Anibal Sanchez and Jeremy Hellickson, which are over four. So it's not just last year. You you have to take the full body of work when you evaluate these guys. Yeah. And for me, the full body of work suggests that Anibal Sanchez and Jeremy Hellickson are not the as good as Tanner Roark and Gio Gonzalez. And they, you know, the, the previous two had better 2018s than the second two. But it, I, 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 to me, I think that the Nats sold low and bought high. Yeah. I, I, to me, what you're just saying, I, it seems like the Nats were victims of just the recency effect. You know, they just got consumed bias. Exactly. with, oh, Tanner and Gio had struggled in 2018. These two pitchers were actually pretty solid. And one we saw firsthand in Jeremy Hellickson. Let's just continue with them. Again, placeholders for this year and next while we work out Fetty and Ross and see where they work out. Right. Um, or make other moves during free agency. You know, there's a starter named Dallas Keuchel still out there right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and I also think like when you look at Geo and Tanner for all their flaws, what did they do? Five days, they, they started were consistent. They yeah. started consistent and in terms of they were there, there and pitching, and you know, sure, yeah. every once in a while they would have a rough outing, not be able to, but for the most part, Paul, you were getting six solid uh, quality start every five days, and. For your back of the rotation guys, what more could you ask, really? I yep. mean, you, they're 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 not going to be max every five days. You know, yep. you're not going to get eleven strikeouts in seven innings every five days like right. you will with Max and Strauss, maybe or Patrick Corbin. They're guys that you're going to rely on to be there and at least be effective and keep you in the ball game, give you a chance to win. Not going to maybe win, go out and win the game for you like other guys would, mm-hmm. but they're going to give you a chance to win, exactly. and that's not what we're seeing from Jeremy Hellickson and Anibal Sanchez so far this season. Yeah, and to, to be fair, Hellickson, I don't think, has missed any time with injury, and this is the first you know sign of injury we've seen from 
Sanchez. But he, but we know he has a history of it. True, true. So um, I mean, it's again, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it's not like he came in with a clean slate or a right. clean bill of health or you know, no history. And then yeah. oh, now this is popping up. That's bizarre. No, it's like we. we He's had this injury, and, and specifically this injury, yeah. too. He's had this injury not only before, but each in the past two years. And I know that there were other reasons behind the Tanner Roark trade and other reasons behind the Gio Gonzalez trade and then not bringing him back. You know, they wanted to save money, I think. It's pretty obvious when they traded Tanner Roark yeah. because he carried $10 million on their payroll, and they, you know, were worried about that in addition to the Corbin contract. Um, Gio Gonzalez obviously didn't have a great year last year, and you know, doesn't have a great history of postseason success. But um, to me, it's just, I I wonder if they were too much impatient in terms of these guys have been here. What have they gotten us? Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) so they've started once every five days, but they still have not been good enough to push us over the hump. But I think that's that's a a message that we've seen now kind of play itself out this season is, Change isn't always a good thing. Right. You know, those teams that, you know, that lost in the NLDS all those times, uh, yeah, you know, they weren't good enough, but they were still good teams. Right. And, you know, maybe the Nats picked the wrong pieces to blame and the wrong pieces to ship out after that. Yeah. And, um, again, you alluded to this too. I'm not saying we're questioning or blaming anybody and there are other factors that we're not concerned like the money thing we, we know they adamantly wanted to stay under the luxury tax yeah that's fine that's your prerogative but we're just pointing out the what if you know it's like and it, you know we wouldn't be having this conversation either if geo and tenor were off to stro- slow starts then be like right. wow the nats chose wisely it's just not working out for them in their favor it's just it's kind of hard not to look at when Gio and Tanner are pitching as well as they are, and they're two guys who you re- you replace them with or not. Exactly, and it's not you can't you know if if they had kept these two guys and Anibal Sanchez and Jeremy Hellickson were great elsewhere, you wouldn't be right. The same. It's just it's, it's, it's always because, that catch twenty two like because you had them and yeah. then you now don't. Yeah, that we're saying. And in hindsight, like we also wouldn't be having this conversation if the Nats bullpen was lights out, and yeah, Sanchez and Hellickson were having their struggles, but the Nationals were you know, five games above 500 and in first or second place, you know, it's just kind of circumstantial where we're looking at all kind of aspects. And and again, when times are tough, it's it's kind of hard not to look at the what if scenarios. Well, and and when it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast, when times are tough, you have to look at every aspect. Right. And every person has to be in, in a sense playing for their job and everybody's performance is up for criticism. So, that being said, the Nationals have won two in a row. Hey, always looking on the bright side. Always looking on the bright side. And, and they did show significant, significant flashes, I think, in this series um, against the Mets. Yeah. I just want to see a nice, easy Nats win. Even yeah. the, the win today, they were up by three, and Sean Doolittle, I'm not blaming Sean Doolittle because he has had a tremendous workload. He's been awesome for them this year, and he still didn't blow the saves. So right, it's not and like he shouldn't have been pitching either of these two games to begin with. Right. Whatever. Exactly. So... You know, he, he is not to blame there. That being said, I want to see a nice, easy Nats win. Yeah. I feel like it has gotten so hard uh, to see even the good ones. You know, the, the Gerardo Parra Grand Slam was amazing. That being said, it would have been nice if they had had the didn't lead it, before. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't need, need it. it. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, it, we could just use some nice, easy May and June wins 
to convince me that this team is actually capable for, of stringing together more than two in a row and stringing together several series wins. That elusive winning streak that's more than two games, that's what we're looking for from the Washington Nationals. Could it start this weekend? They open a big three-game series against the Chicago Cubs, probably the hottest team in baseball right now. I mean, they are scorching hot. They're good. Coming into Washington, D.C., you will catch coverage of that game Friday night on Masson, but then they are the national televised game Saturday and Sunday, Fox on Saturday night, and Sunday night baseball on ESPN on Sunday night. Paul, where can the good people find you on Twitter? At Paul Mancano, not at Paul Mancono, which was an unfortunate typo by Bo, Bo Porter. Uh, Speaking of Bo Porter, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he was excited. Speaking of Bo Porter, was, go check out the a Life. Oh, you don't know Bo. No, we did The Life of Dan Colco. This piece a day is called in the life A of Day in the Life of Dan Coco. This is pieces you don't know, Bo. Paul worked extremely hard on it. I chipped in a little bit, but it was you easily did. 95% Paul. Um, it's a fantastic piece. Very interesting of Bo's really kind of crazy career as a, in baseball from all aspects, from first learning the game in, in his hometown to coming up and being a mass and broadcaster. Um, Really, really cool storytelling by both Bo and Paul. So go check that out at Masson Nationals. You can also give me a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco. For Paul Mancato, I'm Bobby. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.